Welcome to Animals to the Max. I'm your host, Corbin Maxey. This show is about animals and the people who dedicate their lives to them. Welcome everybody to another exciting show. This is going to be a good one. Welcome to Animals to the Max. I am your host, Corbin Maxey. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you are listening around the world. I appreciate it. The animals appreciate it. The sharks appreciate it. Okay, you guys, I'm so stoked because today we are going to be talking about sharks and we're going to be talking about sea turtles. Now, I know we just did an episode on sharks a few weeks back with my friend Chrissy, just kind of because it was during Shark Week and she went over some 10 fun facts, but I'm going to be honest, I could not get enough. I just... I I love sharks and I was, you know, I was scrolling through Twitter as I do, just like the president. I should probably take that out. I was scrolling through. That was kind of funny, though. Uh, I was (laughs) I usually try not to bring politics into the show. That was funny, though. Okay, hopefully I don't get any hate for that. Okay, so I was scrolling through Twitter and I came across Carly Jackson. She has a master's of science in marine biology. She is a shark conservationist and she is a marine turtle specialist. I'll tell you what, this is like, I just, I literally messaged her on Twitter and said, Hey, do you want to come on the show? I just, you sound so fascinating. And she agreed. And I'm so happy she did. We talk all about her work with sharks. She actually just finished her thesis, which congratulations, by the way. And she just talks about her work down in Belize, where she was looking at the effects of feeding wild nurse sharks in Belize for tourism. Because down there, people go, they want to feed sharks. And unfortunately, what happens when you know tour operators feed these sharks, the propellers are actually starting to hit the sharks and sometimes these sharks are being killed or severely hurt. And so she kind of looked at the effects of the feeding tourism industry in Belize. And so well, it was just really, really was a fascinating conversation. And, you know, in this discussion, we talk about this and, you know, there is a fine line when it comes to seeing animals in the wild and ecotourism. Should you go on a boat that feed sharks where you're swimming with sharks? Should you avoid those types of tours? Is it okay to swim with whale sharks? Is it okay to swim with all different types of sharks? Where in the world is the best place to go visit sharks if you want to visit sharks? So we answer all these questions and more. And on top of that, she also tells us what a shark burn is. You guys, it's crazy. A shark burn. I had never heard of this in my life until I spoke with Carly. So make sure to stay tuned for the full episode. As I mentioned, she also, uh, you know, goes into her work with sea turtles and we talk about the baby turtles and we do have some good news on the sea turtle front. I mean, it's about time we have some good news on the show with sea turtles. So make sure to stay tuned. Before we get to that, as always, please make sure to subscribe to the show. Please leave a rating. Please leave a review. I really appreciate it. It just helps the show get out there. I also encourage you to help us out on Patreon. The Patreon is basically a way that you could help support the show financially, even if it's a dollar, five dollars a month. It just goes back to the show. It helps support web hosting fees. It helps support the equipment, all different types of stuff. It just goes back into the show. This is a free show. This is a labor of love. Right now, I do not have any advertisers, but I'm telling you what... We might have to go that route if we are not being supported on Patreon. So I please encourage you to do that. If you love the show, if this provides any value to you, even a couple dollars a month will really help out. And also please make sure to subscribe to my social channels at Corbin Maxi on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and subscribe to my channel on YouTube. I am so active right now on YouTube. I am loving it and I'm, you know, putting out new videos weekly and, you know, they're short. They are, uh, well, I I think they're fun, Uh, you know, educational. Hopefully they're entertaining, but I've been really enjoying it. And it's, uh, it's kind of been a new journey with this whole YouTube thing, but I'm really, really enjoying that. So make sure to subscribe to that channel because you will get updates when we release new videos. Okay. With that said, let's get to it. Please welcome to the show, Carly Jackson. Let's talk about some sharks and some sea turtles. Today, we are going to talk about sharks. I cannot wait. On the show, I have Carly Jackson. She has a master's of science in marine biology. She is a shark conservationist. And this is my favorite line, a marine turtle specialist. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That is amazing. Welcome to the show. 
Thank you. So happy to be here. <laughs> you know, I actually came across you on Twitter because I was on Twitter for Shark Week. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this girl looks so <laughs> interesting. I have to have you on the show. So thank you so much. No problem. Yeah. A lot of people have been finding me on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. So have you always just been fascinated with sharks? Yeah. So fun fact, I actually grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and there's no ocean there, no sharks. Like, you know, closest thing we've got is the Great Lakes. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I randomly just saw a book. I was at a book fair with my mom and there was literally a book that just said sharks like that. It was just said sharks. And I was immediately drawn to that book. I was like, I have to read this book. It just looks so cool. I read it. And then from then on, I think I was around six years old. I just fell in love with sharks in the ocean. It's just like a chance passion. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And can I say something? Just a side note. I love you even more now because my wife is from Michigan. So I've, I've gone oh to gosh. Detroit so many times. I mean, side note, do you like Jet's Pizza? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is Jet's Pizza. Oh. It's not the best. Have you had their ranch too? No, I'm not a ranch person, but oh they're like God. square deep dish pizza. Oh my goodness. Phenomenal. I live phenomenal. Do people don't realize Detroit has phenomenal food? The food is amazing there. Yeah. It's Absolutely. I'm sorry. My dog's always going off, but that's just how the podcast goes. She usually makes cameos throughout the whole podcast. Okay. So you're from Detroit. You pick up a book about sharks and you're six years old and you are just fascinated. I was, yeah, I was immediately hooked and there was a little bit of a fear factor in there too. It was kind of like, wow, they're so cool, but like sharks are kind of scary. So I'm a, uh, I was a swimmer growing up. So I was a competitive swimmer all through college. And for some reason, like, I don't know, I just would think in really big deep pools. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a shark in here. And that, you know, and that's like a little kid thing to think about, but it was kind of like, oh, like, I don't know. It was a little bit of a fear of sharks, but that fear kind of drove me to learn more about them. So Okay. And do you remember your first shark? I mean, you're in Detroit, so there's not many sharks. <laughs> no, there's not. Um, I think I can't remember my exact first time seeing a shark. I think I was definitely in my teens. So I was probably a teenager. Um, and I think really the earliest memory, I was at an aquarium in Key West. I can't remember the name of it, but... Um, they had like a little, they had like a little touch tank with little, I think they were bamboo sharks or something like oh, that. Yeah. Tiny little sharks. And like, I just remember like petting it and be like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Like I, I wanted to cry, but oh, <laughs> that was gosh. my first time really interacting with a shark wow. outside of research. But <laughs> so in college, like, did you want, I mean, what, I guess, what did you want to do? Did you want to become a scientist? Did you want to work at like a sea world or work with sharks at an aquarium? Yeah. So I kind of had to get a good feel in everything. So I always tell people coming into this field, like always try everything to make sure what you do like you don't end up doing what you don't want to do, you know, like figure out what you like, what you don't like. Um, and I would do, I realized that I really like being outside. I like being in boats. I like getting dirty and being in the water. So I was like, you know, I want to definitely go into research and more of the field work side of it. So I knew that who I didn't really was like, Oh, I want to go to sea world or I want to work in an aquarium. I definitely knew I wanted to stay in like research in like a school setting or be able to go out on boats and tag sharks and things like that. So that's good. I'm happy you said that for people listening. It's always good to try everything. Well, not everything. I'm not talking about drugs. (laughs) 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 Oh, you want to talk about drugs too? No, (laughs) no, I think it's good though for people to explore and see what, and you decided like, Hey, I want to be out in the field. I want to be in a boat. I want to tag sharks. That's amazing. I tried the lab setting and, like labs are okay, but I don't know. It wasn't as exciting as being outside. <laughs> I'm with you. I got a degree in biology. I, I I couldn't stay in the lab. It sounds awful. For those of you listening, I mean, I'm a biologist, but my goodness, the lab life. I mean, but there's some people who are just for that and I respect exactly. those people. But I yep. knew I was like, this is not me. <laughs> 100%. Okay, so you're out there. What do you pursue in college? Do you start looking into internships? Or do you start looking at, you know, places where you can actually start researching sharks? 
Yeah, so my journey was a little bit different because I was an NCAA athlete, so I was kind of chained to the NCAA, so I couldn't, I didn't really have time to do internships and go in labs and everything, because I tried, like, I tried to go into different labs, and the professors would literally tell me, like, you don't have time, (laughs) they'd be like, you don't have enough time to do this, but basically for me, I think in my senior year, that's when I kind of um, found a lab that was a little less like taxing and everything or less time and I started helping dissect vertebrae of sharks sharks and mammals and um, that was kind of the first time I got into I guess a research type uh, field because so I was working in a lab and everything but my last semester senior year I did this program called semester by the sea so I just got the rest of my credits out at semester by the sea went to this campus. Um, it was just another campus by my school, complete marine biology. Like it literally was on the water. All of my classes were like the labs were field work. So we would, for my fish class, we would go out and identify fish in a same net for my, like, um, what was another class for my aquaculture class? Like we literally had class in their aquaculture facility. And what is this magical just, place? Fish by the sea. Called, what, what is this? So it's called a uh, semester by the sea and it is a semester with Florida Atlantic university. So Harbor branch oceanographic Institute is where the uh, semester happens. Semester yeah. by the sea. No one told me about this magical place. <laughs> I was stuck in dry Idaho at Boise state. Oh Are God. you kidding me? So that was, so yeah. you were, you were hands on in the sea. It was all hands, and that's where I knew I was like, I have to stay outside and like get my hands dirty and make sure I'm doing research that involves being outside. <laughs> so you're in Florida in the Atlantic, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on my in South Florida. Okay. So, oh, South Florida, and you're in Fort Lauderdale now, correct? Yes. Beautiful area. Beautiful area. So, what type of sharks? I mean, are you encountering there during semester by the sea? Yeah, so Semester by the Sea, I didn't do, like, a ton of shark-focused stuff because I think they're more focused on, like, fish and things like that. But the types of sharks that we would see there were spinner sharks. So they kind of they, – they're smaller species of sharks, but they literally jump out of the water and do the spin. And you could see it, like – Let's see. I'd go lunch. I'd go eat lunch out on the canal, and sometimes you'd see spinner sharks just jumping up. And what? You know, How was, big are they? They're. I think the biggest one can get six feet, so they average around like four feet, four or five feet. So they they're act- not big, big. And they actively jump in the air and spin. Yeah, that's where they get their name. They literally will just jump out of the water, and I think it's it's a feeding. Um, it how they catch their fish and. They just, oh I guess they God. like jump out the water. <laughs> I'm learning something new. I've never, I feel like I've never seen any of them featured on like specials. I feel like they only focus on the big mega sharks. I've never really. Exactly. S- yeah. You just want to see white sharks jumping out the water. <laughs> yes. And I love how you just said white sharks. Cause I had, um, I, we did a shark episode a few weeks ago with my friend Chrissy <laughs> about, about the 10 fascinating, you know, shark. And I said, oh, she, she told me about great white. She's like, don't call them great white scientists call them white sharks. And it blew what? my mind. I was like, you're right. Like it, people, they call them white sharks. It's not great white. Yeah. I actually only recently, relatively recently maybe within the past like two or three years i found that out i was like oh my gosh i've been saying it wrong my whole life oh my god are you embarrassed if you're at like a shark conference and you say great white do they look at you like what an amateur like great what like what oh my god that's so funny shark people okay so you eat lunch and you're seeing spinner sharks just spinning out of the ocean that is so cool yeah it's definitely probably one of my favorite academic experiences for sure (laughs) oh my gosh okay so then what happens after that after semester by the sea so I took a year off in between my uh undergrad and my master's so I took a year off just was working um I still helped in the lab where I was like cutting up vertebrae and things like that so um I mean it was interesting but I it definitely I've didn't want to keep doing that forever. But so I started grad school at Nova Southeastern University a year after I graduated. And there I helped with their tagging program. And that's where I kind of saw my first real, I call them real sharks, but it was just like, 
you're a big shark that you caught and you're about to tag. That was the first time I really had that experience. And it was, oh my gosh, I remember seeing the shark. It was a lemon shark. Oh. And I was just like, oh my gosh, it's so cool. And I'm, I'm weird. I think sharks are very cute. Like their face, their facial features. There's something about it to me that I'm like, you're just a cute little snaggle tooth looking thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I agree. I think a lot of people would agree. They're cute. Just their faces yeah. and their eyes. How big was this lemon shark? Um, this lemon shark was probably around seven to eight feet long. Wow. Somewhere in between there. Yeah. So it was a big, it was a big shark, but it was just really cool learning the research of how to tag it. Um, even how to catch it because it's not like it's a scientific long lining or what are it, scientific drum lining. So it's a type, it's a fishing method, but it's a scientific way of doing it. So it was my first time learning that uh, process. Okay, hold up. You have to teach me this because I've never scientifically caught sharks. So how do you do this? I'm sure listeners are like, what did you do? So do you go fishing like how you normally go fishing? So we are you using up- bait? I mean, I'm assuming bait. Yeah. We do. We use big baits. <laughs> big so bait. we um, there are these things called drum lines, and it's basically a big weight, and attached to that is the uh, the actual fishing line. So we usually use like eight hundred pound, um, what is it called? Eight hundred pound grade fishing line. So okay. very very thick fishing line. Then we use circle hooks. So circle hooks are especially designed to not get caught in the stomach of the shark in case it swallows it. Sure. So it's literally going to slip out of the mouth but hook into the jaw. So it's a safe way of catching the shark without, um, you know, permanently damaging sure. it. Sure. Um, but our lo- the line that we use is like 50 plus feet long because shark- some sharks have to keep swimming in order to breathe, right? And sure. if they get caught on the hook, we don't want them just sitting there at the bottom. So we give them about 50 feet to be able to swim around in circles. Okay. Um, that's like one of the bigger differences with the scientific way of um, catching sharks. But yeah, that's like, what, and then all of our lines have buoys on them so that, you know, people don't try it. And it has like research on it and our permit number. So people don't like take the So you don't, like so you don't actually have like a pole? No, it's not a pole. So oh. it's. Um, it's just buoys and we let them soak for about an hour each. So, Ooh, what, what type of bait are you using? So the type of bait is called, um, it varies, but it's what we use is like bonita and like tuna. It's a type of like tuna fish, um, like ladyfish and. Okay. This is, oh my God. I know what the podcast title this episode is going to be. It's going to be catching sharks with Carly Jackson. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want you to, we don't want people to like catch them. Okay. So you just literally throw these buoys out. They have this 800 pound thick line and they have bait with these, you said circle hooks. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they just grab onto it. It doesn't have to be, they just grab the bait. And then once the buoy goes down, yeah, you know you I have a shark. There's definitely instances where our, where our bait just gets stolen. Sure. But um, yeah, they have to bite down on the bait. Um, and like I said, if they happen to swallow the bait, it yeah. still gets hooked in their jaw and it's just specially designed to when they bite down, it's going to get hooked in their jaw. Okay. And how long are you waiting? You said an hour until something happens. Yeah. So we check each line every hour. So um, say if we put 10 lines out, 10 buoys out after one hour, we'll go to buoy one, check it, see if anything's on there. If there's nothing. We'll put bait back on the hook and throw it back out there. Then we go to number two and we just keep doing that, and then we go back to number one after it's been an hour since we've set it. It so. sounds a lot like crabbing. Have you ever done that? No. Yes, it's like the Oregon coast. That's what you do with your buoys and your crab whatever nets. Okay. Oh, yeah, like crab. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Crab traps. So. Yeah, the crab traps. Perfect. Okay, so you catch this lemon shark, and why are you tagging them? So we tag them uh, specifically – to figure out like where they're going. Um, it's just the individual um, special identification so that if a fisherman catches it and sees the tag number, they'll see our number as well. So they'll call us or give the, um, you know, give us the information of the tag and we'll know that shark has either, you know, swam like a couple hundred miles or it stayed in the area. So we 
figure out where that shark's been tagged or where that shark's been picked up or um, where it's been seen. And even divers, like you can see tags on the uh, dorsal fins of the shark. So sure. divers spot them and give us a call or okay. just let us know if they saw the shark. Okay. And uh, forgive my ignorance, but I'm just as kind of a new world. I'm in a landlocked area of, of Idaho. So like people out here, I'm on the Snake River, you know, they fish for bass and catfish. Do people actively in that area fish for sharks for food? So some people, I can't, I'm not super well versed on the laws in Florida, Okay, but there definitely um, are shark fisheries where people will go out and fish for sharks for food because they technically are a type of fish. So you can eat them. It's not very good to eat a lot of them because they have a buildup of mercury, which is like very toxic to us if we eat too much of that. But yeah, people do eat sharks, and um, I've never eaten shark. I don't plan I on wouldn't. that. No, God no, and I don't yeah, think anyone no. ever should. I uh, I have a stat here, and maybe the number has gone up, but there's something. Uh, the stat says that humans kill over a hundred million sharks a year. Yeah, unfortunately, we do kill a lot of them, um, and that's like one of the problems with their. With conservation, there's such a some of them are very long-lived species, and they take a very long time until they're able to reproduce. So, just putting a lot of pressure on certain species definitely can lead to um, them not doing too hot later on. So, yeah, is that mainly just for the shark fin soup, or just being caught in bycatch? Yeah, it's a whole lot of different things. It's bycatch, the shark fin, uh, the shark fin soup stuff, and the um, you know, just fishing and hunting for like skin and things like that. But mm. a lot of that is definitely um, bycatch and just getting caught in nets and things like that. So. Oh my gosh. Okay. So you, you tagged the lemon shark and I, can I jump here really quick to your Twitter really quick and read something? Yeah. This is what sparked me. This is what got <laughs> you on the show. So shark week, by the way, are you a fan of shark week? I actually really have not even watched Shark Week in a very long time. I won't even lie. Thank you for not lying. One reason is because I don't have cable where I live right now. There I just take the internet. And another reason is kind of like I just kind of lost interest. Uh, you uh -huh. know, sometimes they have some good shows, but I feel like they've turned into very entertainment focused rather than sensationalized. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because Shark Week tweeted something and they said black tip reef sharks are very curious and they will investigate any outside visitors. And you retweeted and said, no, they're not. They are exhibiting a reverse and avoidance behavior due to being fed here. And I'm literally about to defend my thesis that focuses on this topic. It got a lot of likes, a lot of retweets, a lot of comments. Let's talk about that. Yes, I'm again. I think I was feeling a little sassy that day. <laughs> uh, you even have the you even have the girl emoji, like the hand I, and everything. Like, what's up, Shark Week? Come get me. <laughs> exactly. Well, it was just funny seeing that because it was like, oh, like I'm literally studying this right now. So my um my master's thesis focused on the effects of feeding tourism on nurse sharks in Belize. So basically, uh, with feeding tourism, it's called provisioning tourism. Okay. Tourism. And um, okay. that literally is like encouraging sharks to come around humans um, because naturally sharks are afraid of humans. Naturally, like they're really not – they kind of look at us as a potential predator okay. um, because we're a lot bigger than their regular prey. We're a whole lot bigger than a fish, so they're probably looking at us like, oh, like what? Can you eat me? Like, can you yes. get me? So especially, um, yeah, especially like just wild sharks, like they're, mm -hmm. they don't, they're not used to seeing humans. So usually if you see a ton of sharks in one area around divers and things like that, it's because they've been fed in the past and they know, or they've been fed in that area before and they come to the area to get a snack or something. <laughs> So that so, must must be a really touchy topic, right? Because people in Belize, like that supports, I mean, that's ecotourism. It supports mm -hmm. the economy. So how do you go about that? I mean, you go, so you go down to Belize and you're studying nurse sharks, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
And so how does that work though? Because I mean, there must be mixed feelings about it, right? Cause it is good. For, it's good people. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's great that people like want to be around sharks and conserve them. It's great. The locals want to conserve them because I mean, if not, they could kill them out of fear. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So there's like a whole lot of different stuff that can go into that. So it's definitely, it. we've come to the conclusion you can't just, there's no way to just stop that, you know? We're not going to be able to stop people from feeding the sharks there. And who knows how that's going to affect the sharks, and that will definitely negatively affect the economy. And, you know, we want to make sure that they're not, um, it's a small country, they uh-huh. definitely depend on tourism for as a large part of their revenue. Um, but the best way to really work around it is to make it safer for the sharks as well for the humans. So um, some of the things that I saw there were the sharks were so habituated or they just knew that the engine sound meant food. Oh. So they would they would get really close to the engines and some of them would get hit by the propellers on their fins. Oh, no. Yeah. The way to really, like, mitigate that is, you know, make sure you turn your engines off when you're feeding the sharks so that they don't swim as close to the engines. Or put propeller guards on them. So some boats that do whale watching, they put propeller guards on their propellers so that they don't injure the whales if they get a little too close. Because in hindsight, it's really just the animal being like, oh, I know this means food, I'm just going to go swim super close to it because that means I'm going to get food. And then they happen to get hit and they're just like, oh, they'll keep doing it because they're going to get food. Because <laughs> yeah. that's like a very, um, you know, it's a big resource for them. That's how they, that's all they do is eat. That's all they know how to do. So, so yeah, just working with the locals, making sure that things are safer for the sharks, making sure that certain things that we're doing isn't um, like, permanently affecting the environment as well mm-hmm. um so yeah there's definitely further my research was definitely a little like preliminary i always call it like a preliminary study so it's it found some effects but there's so much more that can be found out from this research if you um dig a little deeper just you know just do different types of research in that area so so but, yeah are people, because these nurse sharks have been so habituated to humans, are they, some of them becoming like aggressive towards people? Have there been bites during this type of uh, feeding tourism in Belize? So, when I was there, I didn't witness any bites. Like I didn't even, if anything, I think the ones that get bit are the actual tour guides who are feeding. So the sharks, when I was there, they never showed any aggression towards humans. It was more of just like, are you going to feed me? Kind of like a begging behavior. Sure. So if there were no shark or if there were no, um, there was no feeding going on, then they would, this one shark literally laid on my fin. Oh <laughs> like my a dog trying to, <laughs> it was the cutest thing. I know. Oh. But I was like, I'm not feeding you. Sorry. But, um, but yeah, that's it. They don't really show these sharks, at least. Like, nurse sharks are not very aggressive sharks at all. Like, <laughs> in general, they're not aggressive unless you are provoking them or, like, pulling their tail or something and annoying them. But, um, but yeah, they, for the most part, these sharks in Belize were definitely more in tune with the boats than they were with the humans. Like, sometimes we would be in the area and there would be no boats around, like no tour boats, just me and my surveyors, and the sharks were nowhere to be found. <laughs> and they were just like, we don't hear a boat engine, there's probably not food here, so we'll come check you out every once in a while. But for the most part, it wasn't, they weren't as, like, curious about the humans. So. Okay, and how many sharks, if if I go down, by, by the way, I'm going to put you in, like, a really... I'm going to ask you a tough question. Okay. You ready for this? Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Do you, so it, if, if I'm a tourist in Belize, would you tell me not to go swimming with sharks because it is, um, because it's bad for them or like it's getting them too habituated. Like if I'm a tourist, would you say skip the shark feeding frenzy encounter or would you yeah, say go so, for it to support the locals and to get a one of a kind experience? Cause this sounds really cool. I mean, yeah. So there's actually a couple of different tour guides and like tour, um, what are they called? Like companies that considered themselves eco-friendly. So they okay. wouldn't feed the sharks. They would just, 
take tours to the area and you could get in the water and if there were sharks and there were sharks, but they wouldn't actively feed or do anything um, to make the sharks come around. So I definitely would encourage more tourists to do the eco-friendly tours. Eco-friendly. Okay. Yeah. So not the, not the ones where they're feeding the sharks. Yeah, because like I, I did encounter a couple of tourists while I was in my study area, and like, um, you know, feeding was going on, and some of them were like, "Oh, like we feel bad. Like, is this okay for the sharks? We know this isn't good. Like, blah blah." blah. And it's just like you know, it's not that it's there's no definite evidence that it is completely horrible for the shark. I mean, there are definitely effects that are um seen like there's like the propeller marks and things yeah. like that but um it's i mean overall humans affecting or what is it called like intriguing in like a wild animal's habitat and trying to you know like kind of win that the animal over that's never really a good thing so um yeah i always would encourage tourists to do those more eco-friendly tours because they're not only eco-friendly with the sharks they'd be eco-friendly with like you know the coral reefs and everything and Mm -hmm. making sure there's no plastic wear things like that so sure so there's not any companies that you'd recommend that that feed the sharks like there's none that are you'd recommend that are doing it responsibly you would say avoid those and just do the eco tour yeah i definitely would promote more of the eco-friendly tours so um, and I mean, I wouldn't shame them if they wanted to go swim with sharks and um, go with the feeding, like the, you know, the tour guides that feed, you know, it's just would be like, it's, I'd prefer you do the eco-friendly one, but if you do the other one, it's, yeah, it, Carly, is what it, is. it is what it is. Yeah. And your main issue, I guess I'm just trying to wrap my mind. So you're just saying that what's, what's happening is that these sharks are being sometimes hit by these propellers. Um, it's unnatural that they're being attracted to the sound of boat engines. And that's kind of your argument. Like this is unnatural. It shouldn't be like we're manipulating their environment. Is that kind of where you're getting at? Yeah. Kind of where we're getting that. And it's kind of like, since we are, it's, there's no way it's not realistic to be like, we just have to stop this. Like this has Mm -hmm. to stop and, um, stop doing this. We can't be in their habitat at all. Because it has been happening for, I think it's like about 15 years. And like I said, we don't really know how that would affect the sharks. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And I guess I guess more research needs to be done, huh? I mean, not that <laughs> you just finished your thesis, so congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So what is your plan after this? After you, you're done, what is your plan? Where are you going to swim off to? That was a horrible pun. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's so funny. Um. So right now I'm still working as a marine turtle specialist and I am looking to get like one full-time job as like a research assistant or biologist somewhere. Um, But I also just started an organization, uh, co-funded Minorities in Shark Science and that's definitely been, you know, a big focus right now, but I definitely am looking to get a full-time job. (laughs) Hey, yes, everyone in the animal field. <laughs> it's yes. just, yeah, yes. Okay, well, let's talk about this marine turtle specialist. I want to have that. That's amazing title. You get to work with sea turtles. How cool. Yes. Yes, yeah, so sea turtles are my second love. Um, they. I actually started as a camp counselor at a place called Gumbo Limbo Nature Center, and um I actually started as a volunteer first, and then I became a camp counselor, taught kids on, like, you know, environmental stuff and sea turtles, and then I uh, became a marine turtle specialist, and what we do, we help in our sea turtle hospital, so we'll help with the medical procedures, um, sea turtle strandings, and things Mm -hmm. like that, and we also do, uh, the bulk of our work is on the beach, so the, um, in South Florida, the nesting season is from... March to October. So sea turtles are federally protected. So what we do on our beaches is put uh, stakes and tapes around the, uh, around the nest. So we protect the nests from, from people and predators. Mostly from people. (laughs) Oh yeah. People are the worst. Yeah. People. Yep. Especially like in very populated beaches. That's, it's super important to rope those nests off so that people don't step on them or, sit on them things like that oh my gosh okay and 
Okay, so you you block them off, right? And what what type of species of sea turtles are you working with? So on our beaches, we get three different types. We get loggerheads, greens, and leatherback sea turtles. Oh, wow. So those are our three uh, main species and the most, um, what is it? Like the most populous one is the loggerhead sea turtle. So they are, I think, the most abundant uh, sea turtle in the world. Pretty sure loggerheads are. Wow. And have you seen a reduction in the amount of turtles that are coming up to nest throughout the years due to human activity, global warming? Yeah, so actually lately we've seen a like spike in turtles. Uh, And fun fact, sea turtles don't become sexually mature, so they can't reproduce until they're about 25 years old. (laughs) Wow, 25. You hear that, audience? 25 years old until they are able to make baby turtles. That is, I mean, wow, 25 years old. You can already see that's a problem (laughs) with like a population. You know, if they start out like super, like the palm of your hand, smaller than the palm of your hand. Yes. And then they have to get up to, they take 20 years to get 300 plus, 400 plus pounds. So they're all through that whole lifetime. They're like, they're just trying to get big enough so that nothing can eat them (laughs) at this point. (laughs) Carly, those. I mean, I'm being serious. Those nature documentaries where the turtles hatch and all the animals go after them, I literally have to turn it off. I can't. I can't. Are you the same way? I literally can't. I can't. Like when the... I definitely will say it's... I've seen it multiple times by now. Oh my God. You've seen it? Yeah. I've saved a couple turtles though from birds. What did you do? What did you do? Get a shotgun and get the seagull. What did you do, Carly? No, you just kind of shoo them away and then like hope that they drop the little hatchling. But oh, for the part, God. For the most part, the hatchlings, like, if they're usually only at risk if they're hatching during the day. So naturally, with sea turtles, everything happens at night because okay. they don't want anything to see them. They don't want okay. anyone to see them. Um, so as long as those turtles are hatching at night, they should be fine. But if they're somehow accidentally nat- hatching in the morning when the sun's coming up and everything can see them. That's when the birds become that problem. Is but it mainly the birds? Birds, um, foxes and raccoons on our beaches. So uh. they're actually the ones who will sniff out our nests and they'll try and dig them up and eat the eggs. So uh. before, as soon as these hatchlings hit the sand or the eggs, as soon as the eggs hit the sand, everything wants to eat them. <laughs> so it's yeah. such a hard life for... it is but honestly i think the good thing out of all of this is one mama sea turtle can lay up to 150 eggs maybe even more in one nest and okay. she does that about three to even maybe even up to seven times in one season in one so, season Yep, in one season. Whoa, whoa, so, whoa, whoa, wait. Okay, so they could lay a hundred. So potentially they could weigh, or the way they could lay, um, eight hundred, nine hundred eggs. Exactly. Yep. Really. They just keep on reproducing, and then, um, and you know, because of all those eggs, you can't really have a super high survival rate. Because if we had like that many turtles in our ocean i would love it i'm sorry carly i would love it i would love it i would love it i love sea turtles and they they you know what and you know this i'm sure you've heard this back in the day in the christopher columbus days there were so many sea turtles that they were like they couldn't even move the ships because there were so many turtles right like it was now there's they're scarce i mean their numbers are so low compared to what they were a few hundred years ago you know yeah but the good thing is, is so I guess going back to are we seeing trends in the nesting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're seeing more of an upward trend in our nesting because going back to how old they, how old they get when they uh-huh. start reproducing. Um, so sea turtle conservation in general didn't really start until like the late seventies, early eighties. So um, if you kind of go back and time it, those the conservation efforts that happened back then, we're kind of seeing the results from that now because wow. those sea turtles are becoming adults and, you know, reproducing and everything. Wow. But I mean, our sea turtles though, I mean, I'm happy we're seeing an, an increase, but are, yeah. are sea turtles globally, how are they doing? So globally, um, I would say, I think the only ones that I can think of off the bat that have 
that are really like struggling are the Hawksville sea turtles. So they are, they have super pretty shells. Like their shells are Mm. gorgeous. And if you ever have something that the design is called like tortoise shell, it's not a tortoise shell. It's actually a Hawksville sea turtle shell. So those, um, so they're definitely at risk because of how pretty their shells are and how people, um, catch them and use them for their shells. And just in general, sea turtles, uh, green sea turtles are kind of going on the rise because they used to be the ones that were eaten in like turtle soup and everything. Those were green turtles. So they, their population like dropped significantly. Um, But since, you know, like all the fishing for them stopped, (laughs) we're kind of starting to see them go up a little bit. But overall, sea turtles, they're doing okay, but they're in trouble because of pollution. Like, plastic is a huge problem for sea turtles. And since they start so small, they start eating small little pieces of plastic. And already that's that's affecting them well, as soon as they start eating. <laughs> isn't it a problem because some of them eat jellyfish and then plastic bags look like jellyfish to a exactly. turtle? Yep. That's, yep, that's, a, that's just like they – like all animals really, but sea turtles in general, like they, they see like a little thing that looks like food. They're going to eat it. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like me. Okay. Interesting. So yeah. And everyone, I mean, I'm sure you've seen that viral video of like the straw being the straw. pulled. Yeah. I mean, there were a big straw movement right now, which is good. Like yeah. people are starting to realize like, Oh my God, straws. And it's kind of like so taboo now mm-hmm. to, uh, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? To have a plastic <laughs> to straw. Have, like, your- steel straw or your paper straw now you know what though the problem with the steel straws i like chip my tooth on it you have to be careful oh my gosh <laughs> i know oh, right i know so i like i i usually say no straw or i'll get the paper straw okay yeah oh that's a, oh i'm sorry that happened wow. i know it's just a little bit you can barely see it but if you get up super close you can see a little chip and i'm like man i'm trying to do something for the environment and i chip my darn tooth oh my gosh yes Okay. So, so you're, okay. Just working with the turtles. This is, that's so fascinating to me. Sharks, sea turtles, and you're so young. I mean, where do you see yourself in 10 years? So in 10 years, let's see, how old will I be? Mm, I guess I, I definitely see myself being back in academia. So hopefully by then I have my PhD. Hopefully, you know, I'm like helping in a lab in a university because that's, Ultimately, my goal is to be a professor and have my own lab and have my own little students and run research and stuff like that because I just love doing that. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) But, yeah, so in 10 years, I hope to at least be past my Ph.D. and, like, established researcher doing a bunch of different research. And hopefully by then, like, the organization I started is big and we're doing just a lot of outreach and just – I just want to stay with sharks. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, really quick. So you said you want to do more research. What else do you want to research? Is there any other questions you want to get answered with sharks? Yeah, I definitely, I, I, def, I can see myself moving out of the tourism focus part of it. Sure. Even though there's a, there's, like I said, there's so much that can be done within that um, research area itself. Mm-hmm. But I also see myself working more on movement ecology and movement patterns of sharks, like do more satellite tagging and tracking movement in a satellite way. And, um, you know, just kind of figure out if or how different changes in our environment is affecting the way these sharks are moving any species, just species in general. Okay. And I have a suggestion, you know what you should do? What? <laughs> you should like, I mean, I'm just like everyone else because we don't know much about white sharks. Like they're young gear. You know what I mean? When they're young, right? right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting to find out where they go? I mean, we're so, there's only, I mean, I don't know. There's so much we don't know about the big white sharks. We only see the big ones that we don't know there's a stage of life where we don't even know where they go or where they're, yeah. aren't we confused at where they're breeding or we just very, I mean, we don't have hardly any footage of that. Yeah, that's definitely a, um, they're, cryptic species when it comes to things like that um and like white sharks I'm I'm not like super familiar with like their range and where they go to I know that recently they did find like a very small white shark 
in an area and they're going to keep looking in that area to see if they find any other small ones. Um, but yeah, the, the shark that I would really want to know where it's breeding though, the whale shark. I just want to oh. see little baby whale sharks. <laughs> Wait, do they not, they don't know, do they? No, they've seen, they've seen small little baby whale sharks, but they've never seen one giving birth. And I don't think they really know like where exactly they go to breed and to mate and all that stuff. Oh but my I saw God. a video of a baby whale shark and I was like, this is it. I I have <gasps> to see the baby whale shark. Oh, I have to see this. Can you send me the link? Can you yes, email it to will, me? How yep, big is the baby? Ask. Is it like a foot long? No, so I guess since they get like what fifty plus. Well, feet, I, I, I wait, never off. mind. I guess they're so big. I should. Sorry, I'm like imagining <laughs> this little okay. whale shark. Okay, hello, Corbin. So well, is it I like three or four feet? Like, they, I think it was probably around like five feet long, but oh, it, it's, wow. it was just a mini. Just think of a mini version so, of a whale shark. Oh my god, <laughs> it's just so cute. That I I have to see. So yeah, we don't know about that. What are your feelings on swimming with whale sharks? Because that's like on my bucket list to do. Yeah, there's definitely um, safe ways to do it. You know, just don't touch the shark. I'm very anti-touching. You're anti-touching. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yes. But like, not even one fist. finger. Not one finger, Carly. Not one finger. You gotta no. keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> okay, I like that. Yeah, um, but just keeping a safe different distance because they're such a huge, ginormic animal. Yes. You're you're gonna see them from any distance, really. But there's definitely like safe practices to dive or swim with whale sharks. So. Sure. Have you personally done that? No, it's on my list. It is on Man, my list. We need to do that. That oh my god, that sounds amazing. The whale shark. I just um I I just swam with sturgeon yesterday. Ooh. They were like sturgeon sharks. Cool. They were so cool, and I was like, oh my god, I think I found a new passion. It was like my first time really circling with sturgeon. Um, eight and a half feet. Wow, that those are some big sturgeons. Yeah, we were in this like fifty-two degree pond, and it was amazing. By the way, we're gonna put it on my YouTube channel, so shout out for there if you want to go check that out. <laughs> we haven't edited the video yet, but it was so amazing. But I was like, oh my gosh, I immediately thought I have to go do whale sharks now. I mean, that's like bucket list, bucket list encounter. Yes, for sure. One hundred percent. Have you uh, had any close calls out in the field? Um, let's see. I don't think I've. I'm trying to think if I've really had close calls. I mean, I've almost fallen in the water a couple times while trying to like hold a shark still, but Nothing <laughs> I like. can, you kind of like prepare for that, for something like that. Cause they're just such strong animals. But um, yeah, I haven't had too much yet. <laughs> yet. Yet. I've gotten a shark burn before on a my shark arm. shark burn? From their so, skin? since shark skin is made of a uh, dermal denticle, so it's basically teeth skin. Um, if you go one way from the head to the tail, they look they they feel smooth. But if you go from tail to head, that's where you're gonna. It's gonna feel like sandpaper. Sure. Um, because it's microscopic teeth basically on their skin, and if you, it's the same as getting a rug burn or like a carpet burn. So if you get slapped by a shark or you somehow are like rubbing up against the shark and it's going to be like a carpet burn. It's not going to be like deadly or anything, but it's not going to feel nice at all. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think that'd be the coolest thing to be like, sorry, I have this rash. I have a shark burn. I'm sure, you know, shark Oh my burn. God, that's just bragging. Oh, I love that. Oh, that is God. so awesome. What, uh, do you have any advice for any young people or people in general, I guess, old people listening to the show? <laughs> it doesn't matter your age when you listen, um, who maybe want to work with marine animals, sharks, sea turtles. Yeah, for sure. So, um, I always say it's a good way to get your foot in the door by volunteering at places. So aquariums, um, nature centers, things like that, they always will have like a volunteer program. So okay. volunteering, being able to, you know, most places you start out educating others on different things. And I feel like the more you learn and the better you get at telling people um, things about certain animals, you know, the, the better you learn and, um, just volunteering at places, getting, if you're in like college and looking to work with sharks, work in marine life, then 
trying to get into different professors' labs. Like, I always say, don't be scared of your professors. They're just humans. They're, like, I I think the first time a professor was like, you don't have to call me doctor or something. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, yeah. Go by another name. But anyway, just things like that, like trying to get into labs, volunteering in different labs um, is a good way to get your foot in the door. And if you're older, like volunteering as well, like the – place that I work at, Gumbo Limbo Nature Center, it's, I don't want to say it's, like, a lot, most of the volunteers are older people, but they are, like, a I lot of it. them are retired, they, they just want to come to the Nature Center and look at fish all day, but also educate people, they learn a new skill, they learn a people skill, and they also learn about the marine life itself, so, I, I always say, like, volunteering is the best way to get your foot in the door with any marine science or environmental science area. Absolutely. And I have one more question for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. I am a shark enthusiast and I'm listening to this podcast. Where in the world is the best place to go see sharks in the wild? Uh, there's a couple different, I'll be biased and say, go to Belize. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. Belize, Belize. is, Belize is, yeah, it's one, it's just beautiful, like sure. clear water every everywhere. They've uh -huh. got a barrier reef, so they have the okay. second largest barrier reef in the world, okay. the Mesoamerican barrier reef. Okay. They also, um, they have the largest living barrier reef, so their their reef is actually still growing, and um, and that's just perfect place for sharks. Sharks love it there. So wow. definitely, and whale sharks are there too. You can see whale sharks. <laughs> oh man, I'm. I think I'm. I think Belize is the way to do it, and just okay, Belize. And um, you said just make sure if you do want to go on a, on a tour, make sure it's eco friendly. Yeah, um, eco friendly. And, Most places will tell you that they're eco friendly, or okay. it'll be advertised that they're eco friendly. Yeah, and you said you could tell too. Usually, if you see some exactly. trashy joint or trashy, you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm right. sure you guys could tell. Perfect. Mm -hmm. All right, and then Carly, where can my followers or my listeners follow you on social media? Yeah, so I am on Twitter at Carly, so C A R L E E M J and then underscore. That's my Twitter and my Instagram. Perfect. And I will put the links in the show notes and I encourage listeners to reach out to you if they have any questions about sharks, want to connect. This was so much fun. I, I mean, I, yeah, congrats once again on completing everything, your thesis. And thank you. <laughs> thank you for uh, just making a difference. Honestly, like we need more people like you out there spreading the good word, spreading the good shark gospel. Yep. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Animals to the Max podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with friends and family. Also, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. It really helps me out. As always, if you have any guest suggestions, if you want to email me personally, head on over to CorbinMaxi.com. And if you haven't already, check out our social channels. You can follow me at CorbinMaxi on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll talk to you next time.